Support for this program is provided by Chevron. I'm Annie Snyder. This is Politico Energy. Before a big project like an oil refinery or a highway breaks ground, it needs to get the thumbs up from the federal government. But in order for the government to give that thumbs up, it needs to follow the rules set by the National Environmental Policy Act. So, Zach, for those of us who follow environmental issues closely, NEPA is one of those political footballs that you hear about all the time. Can you just set the stage for us by explaining what exactly it requires when someone wants to build a big project that requires a federal permit? Something like a big 12-lane highway in Georgia or a coal export terminal on the West Coast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, NEPA basically is referred to as the Magna Carta of environmental law. It's often written in our copy as a bedrock environmental law. It really gives the instructions to agencies uh, as to what they are asking for project developers to do in terms of environmental reviews. I mean, it's like checking to make sure that you're not disturbing any sort of uh, valuable ecosystem. It's uh, having consultation with communities that would be affected by projects. In the way that the Biden administration wants to do things, it also would mean calculating the cumulative impacts such as the emissions from, let's say, natural gas that a pipeline would transport once it natural gas is combusted. So today, Politico Zach Coleman on the big changes the Biden administration is proposing for how the foundational law on environmental policy is implemented. It's Thursday, October 7th. One of the things that I always have to remind myself is that it's really like a disclosure law, right? It's supposed to offer communities and federal agencies a clear-eyed view of the effects that the, of the project that they're considering. It doesn't necessarily require them to pick the least impactful option, does it? Right, exa- exactly. This is basically like a, a back and forth, here's what we're doing, what do you think about it? You know, there is really no requirement to go to the least harm option Although, you know, there are certainly administrations that uh, would, would try to mitigate that harm to communities more than others, uh, you're, you're going to see, I think, with this Biden administration proposal, if it goes through, more consideration of these alternatives uh, to try to limit negative environmental impacts. But there is no you know, requirement that they do the least impactful option. Well, and as you say, the Trump administration did make some pretty controversial changes to the way that the law was implemented. Just lay those out for us. Well, there's two very controversial from the perspective of environmental groups. The biggest ones being they decided not to any longer consider the cumulative impacts of decisions and projects. And they also, you know, in in the eyes of environmental groups and uh, public interest groups, cut out a lot of the community input and public input process. So the cumulative effects decision is interesting because the Trump administration, by uh, no longer requiring the consideration of cumulative effects, effectively lowered the bar for projects uh, in climate terms. Because if you were thinking about, let's say, building a pipeline, all you would have to think about in terms of uh, the emissions it causes is the emissions from building and then operating that pipeline, but not what comes out of it at the end. That is not something that the Trump administration required anyone to consider. Now the Biden administration is proposing that we do consider those emissions. So as you say, you know, a lot of the focus has been on this cumulative impacts idea in the context of climate change. In terms of environmental justice, how would these changes alter the way that 
federal agencies think about projects in already overburdened communities. Right. And that's a great question, Annie. I mean, the cumulative effects element here is maybe the biggest ask of environmental justice communities. So if you just add any more of these projects to communities that are already having to bend, if not break, from uh, things like Superfund sites. And these are the types of things that you need to consider. Like, How could you possibly cite something with deleterious environmental and health impacts in these communities that already have so much of this because of historical uh, redlining policies that were racist and just political disenfranchisement over the years in which these communities didn't have a voice at the federal government level and, and didn't have a way to push back. As you said, a lot of the Trump administration's proposed changes were aimed in part at speeding along the process for infrastructure, at making the review process go faster. Um, And that's something for which there has been bipartisan support. Streamlining is the phrase that you sometimes hear. At the same time, we've got the Biden administration pushing for major infrastructure investment right now, which would require, you know, all sorts of permits. So how do these changes to NEPA align with the urgency that the Biden administration is bringing towards infrastructure in general and climate related renewable energy infrastructure in particular? Yeah, I think it's an open question as to how the Biden administration is going to both have fulsome consultations and consider all these environmental effects and also move quickly. I mean, these these are very challenging things. And I think that for a lot of uh, the environmental groups that opposed the way the, the Trump administration approached the issue is they said, well, it wasn't the consultation that's the problem. There's just not the manpower to to process this stuff. Also, California's massive oil spill is re-energizing the state's momentum towards limiting oil production. Despite having a supermajority in the state government, previous efforts by Democrats in California to limit offshore oil production have failed to muster enough support. But now, state lawmakers, led by Governor Gavin Newsom, are pointing at the spill to press for new limitations on offshore production, as well as even more limits for onshore oil development. Now, keep in mind that the recent spill occurred in federal waters, where no state legislation could have an effect. And one more thing. In the nine months since his inauguration, President Biden has redefined many aspects of the U.S.'s defense policy. From ending the forever war in Afghanistan, to shaping the Pentagon's priorities and shifting the scope to China, a lot has changed in America's defense policy under President Biden. And today, Politico is hosting its first defense forum. Join Politico's defense team as they talk to decision makers in the White House, Congress, the military, and the defense industry who are at the core of this era of transformation. The forum starts at 11 a.m., and you can still register online and find more information by Googling Politico's Defense Forum. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music on today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.